You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. Keeve, we are past the halfway point. We are up to the number 16 team today. Yeah, and people are saying, you know, you're going too fast. Doing two episodes, <laughs> uh, two teams in one episode, it's just too fast. Slow it down a little bit, guys. All right, so let's slow it down. We'll have to do just one team today. Now, the problem is that we started in the wrong direction, right? We spent 32 minutes talking about the garbage teams. Yeah, well, that we, was our mistake. Yeah, uh, right. We didn't, yeah, that is, I mean, we spent four minutes talking about them, but we had a whole episode, I guess, dedicated mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. All right, so we're going to spend 32 minutes talking about the number 16 team today, the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, we're breaking all the rules. We're going uh, one team, and we're also bringing in a guest today for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Now, why do we have a guest today, Akiva? Um, I think uh, Superfan Robbie said, you don't have to no, do guess. The, the, the answer is because of the roommate rankings, but way to uh, follow the pre-show. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, the Superfan Robbie <laughs> said, don't okay. do guess, but you should still bring on his favorite, uh, Josh Grasham. And, uh, and mm-hmm. so here we're talking the Seattle Seahawks with one of, uh, one of Superfan Robbie's faves, my, uh, my friend Josh Grasham. Well, this is going great, guys. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I think this is Grasham's like seventh time doing this. Seahawks preview because he did a couple. He probably did two Seahawks previews with the in the Ari Gold era, and this is year five of these, and he's been on all of them, I think. So this is probably his seventh time on. Well, did you come for a playoff game or something once? Also, yeah, he may have been when, when the Vikings Vikings Seahawks uh, game, the infinite uh, yeah. in, infamous Blair Walsh yeah, was, game. Back back game. when the Seahawks used to make the playoffs, he used to come on during the playoffs. They did make it last year. Yeah, but we don't have guests on for the playoffs anymore. The Seahawks still find a way to beat the Vikings every year. Yeah. You know, Akiva, it, w- it occurred to me that yes. how long we've known each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we've known each other long enough that, like, we are really actually old people now. We're, we've yeah, we've known each other for, other for over, years. over half our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, 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 st- we start. It's only been up because it started with 9-11. That was the first week we uh, we, were, we were together. You guys coordinated not showing up to work with the rest and of the then, Jews that day, and right? Then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, well, we fled we fled the country that week, and then uh, and then since then it's really been uphill. Yeah, uphill. I guess by those standards, that's true. But um, we did in a, in a WhatsApp group Chester and I are in. We did a uh, a roommate rankings of roommates we've had in our lifetimes, and Chester uh, has had way more than me because he didn't get married when he was a teenager like I did. And also, I moved away from home when I was 13. Right, and so, you moved, right, his parents kicked him out of the house when he was 13 for their own safety. 
And so I just want to know if I rank above or below your wife. Yeah. So yeah, well above. Yeah, you were above. You were above. You were my number oh, one. You were my number one. The sex must time. have been much better. We did use the shower together, Josh and I. Well, it was the only way to get yeah. to the shower. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, and it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth some like partial nudity. Yeah. Um, and but uh, uh, yeah, Jen Chester was uh, was Chester's number one. And if you okay. if you tweeted him, he'll he'll tell you his whole ranking. Oh, I didn't know you roomed with Michael Gutman. When was that, Chester? Uh, just 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 for one summer. In the Upper West Side or in the Heights? On the Upper West Side. I don't remember that. Anyway, yeah. Why so would you remember something I did years before we? I met? don't know. I just I, I but I like I knew Gutman, so I'm surprised I didn't like knew you know you through that. Um, yeah. So Grash, I, the rest of my rankings are available offline, but uh, but you were my number one. Okay. Um, all right, so nice. the, I'm flattered. The Seahawks, probably Josh, probably the biggest Seahawks fan in Columbus, Ohio. Is the, do you think is is there a Seahawks bar in Columbus, Ohio? Is the city like big enough for that? The city is theoretically big enough, but I have not even looked. And nobody here, people here are Browns or Bengals fans, occasionally a Steelers fan, but like really everyone's OSU fans. Mm-hmm. And the NFL. Is, have you adopted is the Buckeyes? Well, I do. I am getting a master's there now, uh-huh. so I do have a claim to it. Uh-huh. But like, honestly, I can never really watch the games, so I don't really care that much. Yeah, Superfan um, Robbie not going to invite him back of, next year, Chester, hearing that he's getting a degree from OSU. Yeah, no, I do kind of like. Um, he'll he'll like this. I, I'm guessing because honestly, I, it's kind of there's like this certain pall that sets over the city when they lose Mm -hmm. and it's kind of crazy because it's like the 12th or 13th biggest city in the country Mm -hmm. but like on a college game day it's like the most unified place it's really kind of nuts um and so when they lose there's kind of like this i don't know it's kind of funny to see how downcast people who like have no connection to osu other than living here are it's interesting because growing up in New York, you don't have that because even if like there would never be like a somber street after the Mets lost the game or even the Yankees because so many people root for another team. You know, there's no cohesion in the city right. in New York or, or yeah. uh, you know, Chicago maybe. I don't think they have that with the Bears, but like that's the only big city that has like one Oh, no, team. for sure they do with the Bears and the Bulls. Well, no, I mean, I the Bulls have been pro- And so probably long. even the Cubs because no one cares about the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, all the Cowboys fans. It, it like, is. It is like one of, of like the major few da- cities with one team where that would even. Happen. It's one of the few downsides. I guess of it's a Boston multiple- thing, right? There's probably a. There's probably if like I mean now it's such a weird scenario because they just keep winning that like they don't even notice if they like their teams are dead to them if they don't win a title. But I guess back in the day, like if the Red Sox lost a big game, I'm sure the streets were like that in like 1986 or whatever. But no, but it, it is a thing that when you grow up in New York, you never appreciate, which is like the way an entire city coalesces around a team. Like when the Vikings are having a good season, every third car on the street has a Vikings flag on it. Right. Like the entire city just goes – like you go to the airport, every single person like at the – when you like check your bags is like wearing a Vikings jersey. I actually think that's a standard thing. Well, what about so? What Delta. about like when the Seahawks lost the Super Bowl? Josh? I mean, you weren't in Seattle then, but you're from yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Well, so I haven't really lived in Seattle in so long, but because they really got good after I was already gone. Um, although when when uh, Home Gun came, it was like a big deal. But they're still the Sonics were still there, um, and the Sonics at the time were the only team that had won a championship mm-hmm. in Seattle. Um, and the Mariners were still good, uh, like early 2000s, late 90s. 
But like now the Seahawks are pretty much the only thing. And I mean, they have blue Fridays for God's sakes during the year where people wear Seahawks gears to work and they never in a million years would have done that when I was a kid. So the Seahawks have become far and away the biggest thing there. But I feel like there's a lot of people in the city who don't, who aren't from Seattle at this point, who maybe didn't adopt. Although it seems like yeah, the now Sounders, there are. seems like the Sounders have really been adopted by the whole city. Also, yeah, it's just because of a bunch of hipster yeah. assholes. Who love <laughs> so you're on the record. You're not a Sounders. Well, anti MLS tech. Yeah. Well, because he's a fan of the Columbus Union. Hashtag save the crew. Yeah, Columbus crew. Save the crew. Yeah, I mean, I like. I was glad that they did stay just because, like. You know, it's another major thing that's here, but like, I don't really care. I went to one game and bored out. And you're a Blue Jackets guy because you don't come from a city with a hockey team. Uh, Yeah, if if anything, I just never grew up with hockey, so it was really hard to. um, But like this year was exciting because they, I know they beat Tampa Bay or something in some historic fashion, (laughs) and it was uh, pretty cool. Sounds like you're really into it, Josh. uh, Pop quiz: Who's the mascot of the Blue Jackets? Oh, no idea. <laughs> Didn't listen to our mascot battle. Uh, let me ask you another question. As a fan of a team, I guess it's just you and the, and the Astros and the Brewers, who, you know, your whole childhood was in one uh, league or conference and then jumps to the other one in your adulthood. Like, which conference do you identify with more? It's mm, a good question. Which conference? in UK Like, I'm an NFC guy, I'm an NFC? AL guy. And, like, it'd be weird for me if all of a sudden the Vikings went to the AFC. But that's what the Seahawks did. Um, I think, for me, it's definitely NFC because... They were oh, because you're a bandwagon fan and you didn't care about the Seahawks in the days of like no, they were just irrelevant until (laughs) honestly, when I was a kid, the Seahawks were nothing. He was a Mariners guy. Also, when I met Uh, Josh, what about in Alaska? That was when the Mariners were. They don't really have a team, although I think they're mostly Seahawks fans, right? Sorry, I just missed. I missed that. I don't think he said in Alaska. I'm I'm sure it wasn't important. No. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Well, so when I was like in, in the nineties, um, really until Mike Holmgren came, which I think was 97 or 98, like I didn't, people didn't sit home and watch games. Um, they were mostly irrelevant. And then Holmgren came and people got into it and then they made this Super Bowl, but that wasn't until 2005, but like they were pretty good. They, they at least would flirt with the playoffs most years. Um, and, but there were also the Sonics and the Mariners were good almost, um, the whole time. And the Mariners, the, the Seahawks were an afterthought. I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast about like, you know, in eight years ago or something. But when I met Josh, we, the, the Mariners had that really great regular season. I think that was the one for the 114 win year, right? 116. 116. Yeah. Sorry. And that's so we called Josh Ichiro. That was his name. That was well, like that if was you saw him in the halls, yeah. he was like you, people called him Ichiro and then each like that was nobody called him Josh because the Mariners were such each. a big deal. Uh, but I believe each. I believe uh, Stuart Gasner started that. Yes, he definitely did. Um, oh, Josh, you a big Mina Kimes fan? <laughs> you know, like it's cool to have people from Seattle, certainly, but I don't. I wouldn't say I follow too many sports personalities anymore. Yeah, not, Josh she isn't says, a big social she, media guy, also. Okay, I did not listen to Bill Simmons last week with Mina Kimes, but what did he say about Steve Largent and white wide receivers? Oh, well, they just – someone mentioned Steve Largent, and Bill said, I think that's the best white wide receiver ever. So I, I uh, was looking it up. Yeah, Don, H- Don Hudson is obviously the answer. But, you well, know. it's very – the truth is they're very close if you look at the numbers. It's not like a huge gap, but Hudson is definitely the no, answer. No, no, I mean, uh, Hudson to me is 
the, is the second best receiver of all time after Jerry Rice. I just think, relative I think to the. You I, once had a stat where you had Allworth ahead of him. Am I crazy? No, I have Allworth five. Chester, do you actually still listen to Bill Simmons podcast? He listens everyone. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. Do you not find him to be like the most insufferable? Oh, he like, is for sure. Like, but it's a hate ass listen. to rich people now that like yeah. he, he's become an A lister and it's it's like I don't need to hear about your time at like Mark Wahlberg's yeah. summer retreat yeah. home watching the Patriots yeah. games or yeah the Bills. So although awful. I mean you know Bill Simmons again although he sort of successfully almost in like a George W. Bush way presented himself as a man of the people like he was always a rich little prep boy you know he went to prep school and he grew up like filthy right. rich and also a, a he's like Bill Simmons five or whatever right. that is. parents like spoil you yeah um just did you like my Mount White receiver more which was um. Which was uh, Hudson, Maynard, Allworth, and Largent. Is that correct? Um, so it, okay, it'd be Hudson, Allworth, uh, Largent. I have them in my top ten, and then um, I think, Don Maynard's fourteen. Yeah. so I guess he'd be next. Well, yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, that's right. I mean, unless you, you got unless you have uh, Bolitnikov, but he's not that good. Uh, Bolitnikov. No, if anything, you'd have Raymond Barry or, or Paul Warfield. Uh, yeah, Raymond Barry, I guess. Uh, but I think Maynard yeah. is probably a little better. I know for sure. Yeah, so that's the Raymond Barry is famous. Well, where would you have Welker then? Is Welker like seventh or eighth? He's got to be pretty high up there. Um, no, he's not. Because Welker's career, Welker, I have number. Yeah, he's not even in my top one hundred receivers all time. Wes Welker, really? Yeah, because he he like he was a nothing in in San Diego and Miami, yeah. and he was a nothing in Denver I mean, and St. He had, Louis. He, he, had he had like nine. He had his prime was still nine years. It wasn't like he was done in two seconds. I mean, I see him with four good years. Four, so. No, his prime is like a, as like a starter. I'm saying was nine years because he he didn't play at the beginning of his career. Like he wasn't even he was just yeah. a punt returner or on the bench. I mean, he has he has 50 career touchdowns. So you know, mm-hmm. he's he's uh he's not All particularly right. relevant. Um, Josh, this is the stuff you're missing. <laughs> I wanted to talk yeah. about the receivers. It's not much interesting to say about the head coach or the quarterback where we normally start with our guests because they've been the same for eight million years. Uh, so Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, two sort of different, interesting receivers. So Lockett, uh, the famous stat last year, first receiver in NFL history who had a quarterback with a perfect passer rating throwing to him. How much of that do you, how much of the credit there do you give Lockett, you know, who clearly had a much better year than Doug Baldwin, who fell off a cliff and retired, or or is that just like Russell's becoming so good in his old age? No, I think that Lockett is probably one of the more underrated guys in the league um, because he's really small and he doesn't because he plays on the Seahawks. He doesn't get that many passes thrown his way. But I mean, when when Wilson's passing him, he is open. I mean, he has multiple yards of separation. And then even when it's close, he comes down with it, and he has amazing footwork. So like it, it's really both of them. But like Lockett gets a lot of the credit. I mean, he he would come out of the slot and just like streak down the field, and he is much faster than. I guess people think because he is open. Um, and he also had, I, I saw something that according, like according to like a pro football focus, he had the most fantasy points per target mm-hmm. of any receiver. And he ever. also led the league in, yeah. pass, inter- Granted, in pass interference yards. Yeah. He had, uh, so 70 yeah. passes only, which is very low usage. I mean, if you're a good receiver on the Steelers, yeah. you get 130, 140 passes thrown to you. 70 passes thrown to him. He caught 57 of them, which is a ludicrous percentage for 965 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, you know, 57 catches on 70 targets is great if you're, you know, the aforementioned Wes Welker and you're catching them, you know, three yards over and trying to get some yak. That, you know, the average pass thrown to Doug Baldwin, if you, if you, if you uh, 
count the pass interference, which these stats don't, is like it's a, every time they throw to him, it's a 50, like an automatic 15-yard play. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's he really is he's amazing at, at getting up, especially considering he's like my size. It's like it's incredible um, what he does. Yeah, and and he they, and he got he a really de- he cheap doesn't get deal enough recognition. So they they have him locked down for very cheaply for the next couple of years. But yeah. it's also, to be fair, it's also somewhat a function of the fact that he is only getting seventy targets. Like he's not going to maintain those oh, rates if he's getting sure. the ball thrown him one hundred and twenty times. And he's probably not going to catch ten touchdowns. Um, but well, Baldwin had that year with what fourteen, I think, the year that Wilson went. Yeah, in that was actually I think that was the year against. Where the, when they made the playoffs against the Vikings. Yeah. Well, I'd like mistaken. to know how many yeah. of those are red zone. But, I don't have that stat in front of me. How many of his... Oh, a lot of them were red zone. Yeah. Whereas Lockett, probably very few of them are red no, zone. No, I'm talking about... Yeah, Baldwin for sure. I meant, I meant Lockett. Yeah. yeah. Lockett's touchdowns do not start in the red zone. Well, Baldwin was one of those guys who... His entire game was predicated on like his footwork at the line, and, and he was a great route runner. So he would get separation, but he wasn't nearly as fast as a guy like Lockett is. Um, not that he didn't have some deep balls every now and then, but that's usually because he just left someone like confused on a on a route. Um, whereas Lockett, they're almost all deep. Let me ask you about the running back. So uh, last year, you spent a, a first round draft pick on Rashad Penny. He was a bust as a rookie. He gets supplanted by Chris Carson. Who uh, did they even draft Chris? Yeah, Carson? Yeah, was a last round pick in, in uh, years seventh ago. round. Okay, all right, yeah. So you know, a, a day three draft pick. Um, I mean, does Penny get a chance this year, or do we just sign him off, write him off as a bust? Well, there's a lot of chatter that now people are saying that the the Seahawks system is just not conducive to Penny's talents. Um, it's a good like thing they spent a first round draft pick on him. They also draft so a running back every year because if they drafted a guy this year, they drafted if you remember CJ CJ Procisi or Procise, however you pronounce it, was this guy a couple years ago. So four straight years they drafted a running back where, you know. I feel like probably most teams probably... But I, I can sort of answer my own question, which is what I like to do here, Josh. The, the Patriots <laughs> and the Seahawks have mastered getting the supplemental picks because they're good and everyone wants to... Uh, one second. Does Josh... Do you have, does anyone not have their uh, headphones in? Cause I, he- I do. Oh, because I hear myself now, Alex, which I did not ever before. Uh, that's mental illness. No, no. Like I, de- I hear I, like it's going to mess up your recording. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and okay, so uh, the Patriots and the Seahawks get a lot of supplemental picks because they they're good, and then players sign their good players, and then they get extra draft picks. So they go into every draft with ten or eleven picks. In which case, sure, you could afford to pick a running back every single year. Patriots do it too. Look, they did it this year. They picked Sony Michelle really high. It's not that it's a waste of a pick. Te- bad teams like the Jets get six draft picks every year, so you can never pick a running back, which they don't. It's a luxury when you have the right. tenth I pick. Think... So it's like a weird thing that yeah, the Seahawks out that the like. Haven't. Well, that's what they do every single year in the draft is they trade back and they accumulate yes. more picks. They end up, even if they go in with six picks, they end up picking like for sure in the top five in terms of volume of picks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps when when like you have, listen, Pete Carroll has his flaws, but if there's one thing he can do, it's turn people into defensive backs. So he doesn't, he never needs to take anyone high um, who plays in the secondary. Um and so, like, he gets all these guys who are, like, reclamation projects who end up being good players in later rounds. I don't think they have a very good track record with first-round picks. Yeah. Uh, well, they're only first-rounders the that, that they drafted on the team are uh, Effetti, who I think so far hasn't really worked out, right, the right tackle. Um, yeah, he's pretty bad. Uh, I mean, he's definitely Collier, the who's, the, who's their rookie this year. 
Um, and that's it. And Penny, but he's not even starting, and he's maybe on his way out anyway. But those are the only first-rounders they have on the whole team. And like yeah. you said, the, the, the secondary mean, is Shaquille Griffin and, and Tedrick Thompson, Trey Flowers, all late-round picks, mid-to-late-round picks. Right. I think Griffin was a second-round pick. He was third, um, yeah. But still, um, I think that, I don't know, they're, they, they, they're never, they've never had success. I mean, they had Bruce Irvin, who some, is still in the NFL, still making a lot of money, but I think he's got one of those skill sets that never jumps out at you as, as being, um, you know, he, he never has 10 sacks and he never has 150 tackles. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what exactly is he? But it's apparently teams keep signing him. Um, and that was like, that was the year of him, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson, which is like pretty much an all-time draft just right there. Um, but yeah, they don't, I, I, I wouldn't give up on Penny yet because he did have some flashes last year. Like, he does things that Carson can't do, um, but I think he needs, like, so far, the biggest thing I hear from, like, the reporters and stuff, who you know, is that he can't break tackles in the mm-hmm. way that they thought he'd be able to. And that was his big thing in college, was he was, like, led the, he led NCAA in broken tackles, and, like, that just hasn't happened yet. So, as, as a Jets fan, we uh, universally hated Brian Schottenheimer. You're now offensive coordinator. <laughs> How has the Schottenheimer experience been for a Seahawks fan? Well, it's, it's like, it's like a paradox, right? Because last year, Wilson had his most efficient year ever. Um, they're, they were ranked relatively high in like offensive DVOA. Um, but like they lost their playoff game without a doubt in my mind because of Schottenheimer, um, here they have like this amazing combo of wide receiver and quarterback, and they're going against like a great run team that clearly was there to stop the run um, in Dallas. And they just kept running the ball up the middle three times in a row and, and like just looked pathetic doing it. And it was infuriating to watch. And like, I don't know whether that's Carol telling, I mean, honestly, like, let's be honest, Schottenheimer is there because Carol wanted someone who would toe the line. Mm-hmm. And Carol wants to be old school and run the ball 60% of the time. Um, he wants to buck the trend because he knows that, like, right now he needs, the way he's going to win is ball control and if we have the time of possession, you know, battle. And that's because that's what it was with Lynch and with that amazing defense. And he, like, got away from that when all the players started rebelling and then everyone would get hurt and the offensive line was complete garbage. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's what he always has wanted to do. And that's why he kind of cleaned house with offensive and defensive coordinators. He's gotten rid of, I thought it was because Daryl Bevel did not believe the nine 11 was an inside job. (laughs) I, I, you know, I'd love to find out if that's like a real thing from Carol. He had Jordan Peterson come speak to the team, which was a very weird move also. Yeah, and he interrogated, like, some military guy who came and spoke to the team. Yeah. Once, I right? feel like he, you know what, I, mean, I bet Pete Carroll dude. is, like, a diehard Joe Rogan fan. That's my guess. That he just, anyone who goes on the yeah. Joe Rogan show is, is, I'd, is a I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that assessment. By the way, the, the stats, of, you, you mentioned the, 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 uh, the, the tough playoff loss last year, 24-22 in Dallas. They threw 27 times and ran 24 times. 
except every time they threw the ball, they gained 10 yards. Every time they ran the ball, they gained three yards. 24 for 73, Chester. Uh, Chris Carson with an old 13 for 20 on the day. Rashad Penny Ford for 29, but it was all one run. Uh, Do you guys remember like 1994, a Packers Lions playoff game in which Barry Sanders? Yeah, of course, everyone knows that game. Thirteen for negative one. Yeah, that's famous. Uh, So, what should you? How many times should you throw to Tyler Lockett? They threw him six times for 120 yards. He caught four of them. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those were like at the end when they were down Mm -hmm. ten, and like the game didn't really matter. I mean, I think in the last two, you know, they scored a touchdown with like 30 seconds left. But it, um, but this the is the most better than it was. This is the most conservative team in the league in terms of running the ball. They run the ball on first down by far the most of any team in the league, and that's got to be a shot yeah. thing, right? I don't think that's been the case the whole Carroll era, but I could be wrong. No, well, I mean, when they had Lynch, it's what they wanted to do. They wanted to run, run, run as much as they could. Um, Wilson was also young then, um, so they were trying to protect him to some degree. And they had the best defense in the league for like, I don't know, four or five years running. Um, so like all of those things kind of enable you to do that when your defense is like mediocre. And by the way, it's also a testament to Carroll that the defense is even mediocre, having lost all the players they've lost over the years. Um, but they, I, I think it's like it's it's like his his platonic ideal of how to ru- how to run a team. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the same personnel, and he's trying to like fit it in with that. Um, and I think that you know if if all these guys progress one year like the way Carroll hopes they do, then like maybe their defense will be a little bit better. But it's kind of hard to imagine that being the case. There's a lot of rookies and a lot of young guys, and Shaquille Griffin has never really proven himself to be all that good um yeah no yeah griffin i think is a lost cause unfortunately i don't it's a great story i don't think he's you know a starting caliber player and i think they are pretty much coming to the realization of that it's just a weird you yeah, have i the, mean he had a he had a good rookie year for a rookie and then he took a pretty big step back last year so i don't know third year like you know this this will be his make or break year to see whether he's going to get a big extension what's, is my guess. What's the deal with Michael Kendricks? You have this weird deal where you have a, a very good player who might be going to jail or, or you know, something like that at some point this season, right? Yeah, uh, it seems like that we'll, they'll find out pretty quickly. I think he has his hearing in late September, but it is kind of a weird thing. And it's like a weird thing where you, it's not like a domestic violence thing, so you don't feel as dirty for having him on yeah, the team. Sure, it's sure. just, you know, some yeah. light insider trading. Yeah, nothing. Um, <laughs> who, who's the monk has not done some light insider trading? Yeah, I wish that I had the power to be, do insider yeah. trading. Um, insiders. But, yeah, so I think, like, and he is, he, he actually makes a big difference when he's on there. I think their run defense certainly suffered when he wasn't there. Um I think in week one, they lost last year to the Broncos, who were not a very good team, um, because they tried to start uh, the one-handed Griffin brother, and he just looked completely lost, Like, and, and there had some big runs because of it. Are you, are you a member of the cult of Puna Ford, their maybe new young defensive star? I mean... Listen, I would not call myself a sophisticated enough um, watcher of the game to know like when a defensive lineman is really popping. Mm-hmm. But when you hear it as consistently as the coaching staff and all the reporters talk about, 
um, it seems that like they really, they, they kind of got, I, don't, I wouldn't call it lucky. I guess they knew, but like, cause he's undersized, but I mean, he was an undrafted free agent and they say that he's going to, especially with Jaron Reed, who, um, who was their second best defensive player last year after Earl Thomas got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially with him out the first four games, like, they for sh- like, he's going to play a ton. Apparently, he's amazing at stopping the run. This um, is a very young team, by even the though way. He's, I mean, the, the only aging guys are the, are the linebackers, right? KJ Wright and Wagner. Really, everyone else, and Wilson's not super young, but he's got, you know, he's certainly in his prime still. It's a very young team up and down the, up and down the starting lineups. Yeah, they got rid of everyone who was getting paid a lot except for. You know, I mean, except now Wilson, Wagner, those were really the only guys who are making a ton. Um, and now they're like paying a little bit. They're, you know, their offensive line, they're paying a little bit. I think they paid the kicker um, and the punter a zillion dollars also, if I'm not mistaken. They put, oh, they did they put sign a, a kicker. They, I think they were sick of kicker yeah. from. But these know, things the don't let, like, he was the Jets kicker last year and he was great. He went to the Pro Bowl, but like. These things are are very cyclical. Right. Like uh, I know, one blade I, I of thought grass. thought it was a little silly. Which also, is why the Jets but... knew. Like, listen, the Jets could have easily resigned him. They weren't interested, and and their kicker just right. retired. They could have used him. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, so what? All right, so Chester, do you know the wins total, the over under in Vegas for the Seahawks this year? You have that number handy? I do not. If I had to guess, I would say it was seven and a half. But I have no. No, idea. if you had the, well, how about this? Google it because your guess was awful. No, just tell me then. I don't know. I'm asking you to do some work. But you, you said you knew. You said my guess is so awful. That means well, you Well, know. I know it's not seven and a half because that's, that's a bad team's over-under. This team is in the top half of the league. Is this your first uh, I mean, they're 16, football? so they're... Seven and a half for the Seahawks? You're so annoying. Is Russell Wilson up for the year? <laughs> Ch- uh, Josh, back me up here. That's a crazy guess. I mean, I would probably guess like All right, nine they're, and a they're, half. They're at eight. Oh, my God. What a terrible seven guess. And a half I was off is by like, half. But that's crazy. And I'm sure the VIG. They're at eight, Akiva. What's the difference between seven and a half and eight? The VIG goes up, though. You know, I'm sure it's they're an eight leaning to an eight and a half, not a seven and a half. Okay. So I was off by half again. That's <laughs> that's a crazy guess, though, seven and a half. How, well, I was literally off. I could sucks? not be. It is not mathematically, humanly, physically <laughs> possible, metaphysically, for me to be closer without being exactly you think the, even. But I mean, answer my question. Do you think this is a bad team that you're guessing seven and a half? No, I think they're an average team, which is why it's seven and a half. They're an average team in a division with a great team. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're an average team. Are they going to make the playoffs, Josh? With, I think they're an average team with a great with an amazing quarterback and an overall good coach. So, like, I would probably take the over um, because, you know, I, I think, I think like, they're probably right around 9 or 10 wins is, you know. Uh, do they make the playoffs? I mean, they definitely – I think they, they could probably be a wild card. I don't know that they're going to um, beat the Rams, though they do get a home primetime game against the Rams – and they very, very infrequently lose those games. Um, so they might actually beat... I mean, and last year they were very... They played the Rams incredibly closely, even in the beginning of the year before they'd really, like, found their their groove. Um, so a couple bounces go a different way, um, and they win. So, like, yeah, I could see them with 9 to 10 wins, like, pretty... Easily, I would say. So Chester, I think Chester the craziest pick that moment number. in this podcast. 
The craziest moment in this podcast history has to be Akiva going nuts at me for being half That's a game. That's a weird guess, game. though. Everyone's going to be on my side. When I was almost out. exactly right. And, I was close to the Vegas Josh. Is what stupid. What a dumb guess. What, seven and what, a half. Would your, what would your guess have been? It wouldn't have been as good as mine. Eight and a half. It would have been exactly as good as yours. But it would have been better because okay, I'm sure the VIG goes to eight and a half and not to seven and a half. No. no <laughs> Wait. Huh, help. We're spending a lot of time. We're spending a lot of time here, guys. Josh, we have to kill. This. T- this is, you know, there's a 32-minute show this year. We, we, we bomb at 32. Oh, boy. So, yeah, I, I have this team missing the playoffs, but uh, I think they're an 8-8 eight eight team. Chester, what do you think? Are they going over or under? Eight's a hard number because you push a lot. I've grown to have this tremendous hatred of this team just because every single year the Vikings play the Seahawks, and every single year it's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why. This year we're playing the Seattle. Vikings are playing at Seattle on a Monday night, which, as Josh says, is like very adamant. I just don't understand why this happens year after year. Mm-hmm. You know what? There's always these things. The Seahawks always play the Panthers, and it's always in Carolina. It's like they almost have this rivalry because they end up playing each other every year. Somehow they must finish the same you know spot in their division every year. It's really bizarre. But I'm trying to. I'm like looking at the schedule right now because they have a lot of like kind of gimme games at home, and unless Kirk Cousins. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.